Hello, and welcome back to the Unto Caesar podcast. This is episode three, and today we'll be talking about Psalm. Uh, let's go ahead and dive right in with the lyrics. With proud thanksgiving, a mother for her children, England mourns for her dead across the sea. Flesh of her flesh they were, spirit of her spirit, fallen in the cause of the free. Solemn the drums thrill, death august and royal, sing sorrow up into immortal spheres. There is music in the midst of desolation, and a glory that shines upon our tears. They went with songs to the battle, they were young, straight of limb, true of eye, steady and aglow. They were staunch to the end against odds uncounted, they fell with their faces to the foe. They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. They mingle not with their laughing comrades again. They sit no more at familiar tables of home. They have no lot in our labor of the daytime. They sleep beyond England's foam. But where our desires are and our hopes profound, felt as a wellspring that is hidden from sight, to the innermost heart of their own land they are known, as the stars are known to the night, as the stars that shall be bright when we are dust, moving in marches upon the heavenly plain, as the stars that are starry in the time of our darkness, to the end, to the end they remain. That's the end of the poem For the Fallen by Lawrence Bignon that I included that was published in the London Times in 1914. The last few lyrics are my own. Listen to the sounds of life passing by, dancers to a discordant system, moving from place to place in search of an ancient wisdom. The truth is, none can be found. The sounds of the past have all but drowned. Living is such a dream, it seems impossible to wake up. Passing glances down the hall through the door where the darkness bubbles up. It's the deepest winter of our mortal souls surrounded by the voices of those who will not grow old. And now let's dive into the history of, of, of the song and of the Battle of the Somme. World War I officially began on July 28, 1914 when the Austria-Hungarian Empire declared war on Serbia almost a month after the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand in Sarajevo. Of course, this is not the only cause of, of what was largely a war of imperial interests. Increasing dipl diplomatic tensions across Europe and the rest of the world, a rise in nationalism and self-determination, and straining alliances across the continent. While World War I was fought across the world, European economic and strategic interests were at its core. The conflict spread from Western Europe and the Atlantic all the way to East Asia and the Pacific Ocean. As with every topic on this record, an exhaustive detail of causes, outcomes, are far and far-reaching effects extend way beyond the scope of the work. However, it is well worth exploring the geopolitical forces that were, that were at work here and the human experience bred by one of the most brutal conflicts in human history. It could be argued that World War I was a largely unjust war as its primary concerns were imperial and caused by extreme and violent nationalism. What cannot be understated is the incredible cost of life, the terror of, of trench warfare, the violence that was delivered across the planet in some of the most horrendous ways imaginable, from bayonet charges being cut in half by machine gun fire, choking on gas, 
and the constant shelling that could last days, which robbed people of sleep and any sense of safety. The largest and arguably most famous battle of World War I, the Battle of the Somme, was fought between July 1st and November 18th of 1916 on both sides of the upper reaches of the River Somme in France. More than three million people took part in the battle, and there were over a million casualties. It is one of the deadliest battles in all of human history. Though the battle continued for over five months, it ended in a stalemate. France and Britain gained 125 square miles over the course of the battle at the cost of an estimated 600,000 as Allied casualties by its end. Despite the fact that the Battle of the Somme was a stalemate, there were some important tactical lessons learned. Battles of attrition would not work. The way that artillery and infantry worked in tandem must change. For example, they, they must work more closely together in coordinated assaults. And most importantly, infantry attacks on fixed position enemy gun emplacements was tantamount to a mass suicide. You would think that that would be obvious. Since so much of the battleground was leveled from constant shelling, infantry were forced to dig through to the opposite trench or to run across a no-man's land after a series of artillery and gas attacks while being cut to pieces by machine gun fire and barbed wire. The way humanity waged war was forever changed, and we saw that evolution in World War II, where synchronous assaults on multiple fronts using the power of air, land, and sea became absolutely paramount. Like all conflicts, there are enormous global, political, and socioeconomic impacts that are far-reaching and complex, but ultimately, the price is paid by the countless individuals across the entire planet, forever. Germany, of course, lost World War I. In its desire to seek colonial and economic boons that almost every other country in Europe enjoyed, it failed, and the price of that failure was enormous, not only for the nation-state at the time, but for those who would come later. The Treaty of Versailles, which was the treaty that was signed by the Allies in Germany at the, at the conclusion of the war, forced Germany to accept full guilt for the war and impose severe military, economic, and social restrictions on the populace. Germany also lost large portions of land. The region of Alsace-Lorraine was returned to France. Upain and Malmedy were ceded to Belgium. North Schleswig was given to Denmark, and substantial eastern ter ter territory was given to the newly created Polish state. The Weimar Republic that replaced the German Empire was fragile, plagued with political extremism, economic difficulties, and social unrest. The humiliation and hardship inflicted by the Treaty of Versailles, coupled with political instability of the newly formed republic, facilitated the rise of, of extremist political parties, the most notable of whom were the National Socialist German Workers' Party, otherwise known as the Nazi Party. Traditional social structures in Germany were broken down, and there was widespread disillusionment and a quote-unquote lost generation of dead citizens and soldiers. While there was a period of significant cultural change in the Weimar Republic, there was also a flowering of literature, art, and film, which was all brought to an end by the rise of the Nazi regime. For the Fallen, by, by Lawrence Bignon, was written in the early stages of the war. The Somme hadn't happened yet. The enormous bill of World War I was not yet due, and the numbness that comes with constant death, terror, and fatigue had not set in. The poem largely focuses on sacrifice, grief, the, the death of youth, and the wasted potential, glory and unity in war, and national identities. These are all themes that resonate deeply with me and remind us all of the price that individuals 
pay to achieve the goals, just or unjust, of the nation states for which they fight. This this poem, War, Revolution, and a Life Lived Under Threat of Tyranny and Conflict, remind us that in so many ways, our destinies are not our own, that so often, fate and chance take choice from us. Humanity has celebrated the glories of war while shying away from its depravity for as long as conflict has existed. And when the few make choices for the many, inevitably, they spill so much of other people's blood. So that's the end of the written section. There's just a few things that I wanted to comment on here. Um, I think you'll find that the idea that World War I was an unjust war is some somewhat um, controversial. Uh, it is not an instance of war in the sense that World War II was a very clear case of needing to fight abject tyranny and uh, programs that exterminated millions of people. It was largely imperial. Um, and Germany felt incredibly threatened by other European states uh, and and did not have access to, to the same resources. Um to the same amount of slave population that other European c- countries had, uh, they were fighting for for their spot, right? Um, and it is really unfortunate the way that it turned out because you would not get World War II without World War I. Um, and I believe uh, Germany only recently stopped paying uh, the endowment that it was forced to pay to compensate the allies for world war one fairly recently so i mean this happened over a hundred years ago and within the last 20 years they finally finished paying paying it off um an entirely different political system has risen up three times there since they fought this war so that that cost financially is still going on additionally um just because of the way that, that the war was fought, the way that it was marketed, and, and the way that it was perceived to the by people largely on the side of the Allies, um, which were France, Britain, um, other European states, and then eventually the United States towards the end of the war, um, World War One veterans don't get the same treatment that other veterans do, particularly from World War Two. Um, I think you'll find that, especially in the case of English vets, they came home to to people that either didn't know that, that there was a war on, they didn't care, uh, they couldn't find jobs, they weren't celebrated. Um, there was a lot of signage posted around all of England that said that vets need, need, need not apply for work. Um, you know, it, it was an entire generation of people that was basically forced to do something that they would never have done in the first place, and then they continued to pay the price for it for the rest of their lives. But then, as I said, tactically, it set the stage for what modern warfare could be in the next 50 years. Um, and the lessons that were learned, especially about trench warfare, were enormously important. Um we never fought wars quite like that again, and we never should. It's, I can't imagine anything worse than being in a trench. It's, it seems like hell. Um, and I think that if you don't want to do a lot of reading about this or like hearing about other podcasts, Peter Jackson, uh, the guy who did the 
Lord of the Rings and unfortunately also The Hobbit. Um, he made a documentary in 2018 that uh, uses a line from the same poem that I used. Uh, the name of the documentary is They Shall Not Grow Old. Uh, and it's a World War One documentary that focuses primarily on English participation in the war. What's really interesting about it is that it is just raw footage that's been colorized and in some cases sound has been added. Um, and narrating over it are interviews that have been collected over the you know over the years from World War One vets about their experiences there, what they lived through, how they fought, what their experience like was on the front line, what it was like, you know, in the back, and then finally what they came home to. Just as a as as a warning, it is incredibly graphic. Um, it's graphic in a way that is really hard to put into words, and it's 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 actually shocking. Um, how, how violent it is. Um, but that, that goes to show you what those men and women fought and lived through and came out on the other side with nothing much. Right. Additionally, um, famously, uh, there's the quote unquote fiction book, all quiet on the Western front. Um, that is told from the perspective of a German, uh, a German infantryman. And, uh, that is actually an incredibly accurate representation of their experience in the war. And there's this really insane section early on in the book. And it kind of goes throughout the entirety of the book, uh, where, um, it's a it's a group of like four or five guys that have all come from the same community and uh, they just so happen to be together on the line. And one of them is has been hit with shrapnel or, or has been gassed or something. It's been s- several years since I read the book uh, and he's going to die. He just so happens to have a pair of boots that he stole from a dead English uh, inf- from a dead Englishman that died in a bayonet charge coming over the trench line. And so everybody that is still alive is worried about who is going to have these boots because they're way better than any of the boots that they have. And so they end up posting guard basically around his, around his cot as he dies, making sure that the orderlies or some other soldiers don't come and take his boots because they believe it should go to them as they were his friends and by the end of the by the end of the book everybody has has had the boots because most of them are dead um and you know it's something that seems so trivial right but that makes all of the difference in the world um and consequently whenever hitler rose to power that book was banned and i believe they hunted the author down and he escaped to the united states and avoided being um, executed for it, but um, he was not popular. I know there's a movie about it now. I I haven't really watched it, uh, but the book is 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 well worth reading. Um, it's also very short, so you don't have to worry about spending a lot of time on that. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot to say about World War One, um, and not enough time to say it. It's it's inordinately complicated, and 
it's complicated in 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 a political way almost as much as it is complicated in a tactical way. In the appendices of the book, I provide a view of the trench uh, map for the Battle of the Somme, and it's basically unintelligible what is going on on that on that uh, piece of paper. And the same is true politically. Is like you have these. A European powers that are jockeying for position, place, uh, and economic influence on such a scale that it's stupefying even even now. And we'll come back to a lot of these ideas um, later on in Arnhem. Uh, but yeah, I just I think not enough people pay attention to World War One because it pales in comparison to World War Two, but there there are so many people that fought and died in such miserable ways, um, and you can't have one without the other. All right, thanks. We'll see you in the next one.